Do you want to look more anti-racist? Not be anti-racist, just look like it. Are you a white person that struggles with solving complex social issues that require you to search inside yourself? Are you too fragile to do the hard, lifelong work of racial equity, but still want a facade that at least prevents some people from calling you on your bullshit? Well, if so, then Black Square may be the thing you need. Black Square capitalizes on America's staggering addiction to validation through social media, while also appropriating a serious civil rights issue in a way that's right for you. Just post a Black Square to your Instagram page every time some racist shit happens, and soon, your black friends will see you as an ally. They'll feel the warmth of empathy from a true friend, and you won't have done any real work. Then you can go back to doing the same thing you always do, and live the life you never realized was a dream. Just listen to some of these testimonies from our customers. When racism started three months ago, I wasn't sure what to do about it. I tried everything. Reading books, listening to black voices, analyzing my privilege as a white man. I tried all of it for almost two weeks and nothing happened. My wife saw what I was going through and she turned me on to Black Square. Since then, I've never felt better. Now we get to enjoy all the privileges of our ancestors with none of the guilt. Thank you, Black Square. I used to think my white friend Jimmy was indoctrinated by centuries of systemic racism. But last week I got on Instagram and saw he posted a Black Square a few months ago. And I realized I was wrong. He'd always cared about me. And I wasn't on social media enough to realize it. I'm starting to wonder if I'm the one that's racist. (laughs) Show your friends how you really feel about racism. Complacent enough to do nothing, but smart enough to know that you probably should at least say you're not racist. Black Square. Find it anywhere. (laughs) Oh, dude, if white privilege was an infomercial. (laughs) (laughs) That was my thought, right? (laughs) What would that sound like? (laughs) When people started posting black squares, it was like... Wow, okay. I'm seeing a lot of black squares. This is this is something different. It was something that it was so polarizing because it made you feel guilty if you didn't join in on it. But I had that exact thought of like, oh great, I'm gonna put this on there and just I everyone look at me, I'm not racist. If you look on my social media accounts, there is no black square. And I thought the black square, I mean I was like, oh interesting black square, black out, black out better. I posted a black square and I must have had 50 people in my DMs. I hope you back this up with something. And I'm like, you know what? I was doing something before the Black Square. When people put the Black Square up, I would say about 90% of those people in my unscience-related data collection, about 90% or so were like, oh, everyone's posting this. I'm going to post it too. Or they Googled it and they're like, oh, this is cool. Interesting was the word that kept coming to mind. Like, not quite optimistic, but it wasn't quite, oh, this is whack. It was just interesting. What up, fam? This is the American Climbing Project. I am your host, Devin Dabney, and today you're going to hear from a lot of people, but the main voice you'll hear belongs to Dominique Davis, Dom for short. Dom is fucking badass. She's striking in every sense of the word. She's bold. She's fierce. She's very outspoken, and she does not give a fuck what you think about her. Admittedly, that shit is infectious, as I'm sure you'll be able to tell from our conversation. 
This first season is going to be focused on racism and climbing, and you've probably gathered that the first track is about the black square. Ah, yes. What better way to break the ice around racism in the climbing community than bringing up the black square, aka Blackout Tuesday, aka Hope My Black Friend Sees This, aka the universal I'm Not Racist flag for social media. And I know some of y'all are probably thinking, Devin, why you bringing up old shit? You know, the black square happened a whole year ago. That's basically internet hieroglyphics. Point taken, it's definitely history now. But if there's one thing being black in America has taught me about history, it's if you don't review it, it gets reviewed for you. In other words, do your homework or fuck around and find out. I was like trying not to laugh in the no. middle. Dom, I need you. I need you to laugh because those are the sound bites I use for my marketing. <laughs> I need the like, Devin, you're so funny. This is funny, you know. <laughs> that was great. I, you know, Black Square. Get it at a get it at an outdoor retailer near you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. And you know what? I'm like, I'm so excited because you are like one of the first Black people that I've gotten to talk to about this. Oh, yay. <laughs> so like, I, I'm like, I, I've been so excited for this interview. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to say too much. I want to hear what you thought when you, when you uh, heard that before I say anything. You know, it's funny because it's true, right? Like you get those things that like, you just, you got to laugh at it because the ridiculousness of what happened on Blackout Tuesday and the months that followed it are nothing short of like laughable because it was comical. It was complete, just um, performative, performative allyship, right? Like that's, that's pretty much what it's been labeled as of like, I'm going to post this black square and do nothing, but yo, I posted a black square. So like, give me my like anti-racist cookie and award was like, I leveled up, right? Like I did, I did the right thing. This was what I was supposed to do. Or like, at least optically, it looked like I was doing the right thing. It's like thinking racism is a box to check, right? Not just a black box to show, but a box, a box to check. Say your anti-racist piece so that you can keep consuming whatever it is that you're consuming and live the life that you're currently living. The good news is that some people who posted it, I'm sure, did more than just post it, like myself. And then the bad news is that others, probably a significant portion, did not. I would love for a study to actually come out of how many people posted that and how many people actually went to a protest. How many people like watched a couple documentaries or started following more influencers of color and being able to read about the, the injustices. Did it actually amplify black voices by doing so? I, I don't think the answer is yes. I think things like Black Square or diversity holidays or any of that sort of stuff, it should be easy. It should be innocuous. I think the, the larger issue is why isn't that simple, you know, virtue signal not an innocuous action? I can't believe, like, it's been, what was that, in June? Yeah, yeah. Man. But it's still, like, the same conversations happening over and over again. So, like, <laughs> that, 
however many hundreds of thousands of people that posted the black square clearly didn't get it and didn't do anything because we're still like, we're still having the same conversations Mm -hmm. and dealing with the same like pushback and defensiveness and lack of representation that we were dealing with in June. You know, it's still, we're in black history month right now and not really feeling the support from all of those people that posted the black squares back in June of amplifying melanated voices again in February. So it's kind of like, it was the one and done thing of I'll read white fragility and post a black square and like wash my hands of any racist ideologies that I held on to, you know, because mm-hmm. I did this and it was enough. Um, mm-hmm. It was that I have a black friend of social media. Yeah. Like I'm not like, I can't be racist. I posted a black square is now like the, well, I have a black friend yeah. of 2021. God, we're in 2021. Okay. I know. <laughs> um, I know. yeah it is like you know it's there i'm sure there were some brands with their you know carefully curated message with all the right buzzwords and taglines and hashtags that were like we will show the industry that we are not racist you know Mm -hmm. just by this post we'll make an infographic and show that we care about black people Mm mm-hmm However, if you flip through our, you know, publications, you will never see one on a two-page spread. No, but we do care. Right. Our athletes may not be diverse, but we posted our black square on that Tuesday afternoon in June. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's like, like what you're describing too is I think like, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of companies, like, especially this Black History Month, were like, what are we going to do for Black History Month? Like, what Oh, my gonna- God, the amount of, like, emails of, like, hey, so we've got this media deck for Black History Month, like, wanted to get your take on it. Like, what? Right. When have you ever done anything for Black people ever? And now you want to hop on in, like, 2021 and be like, well, yeah, let's, like roll out this whole media deck for black history month. Right. Right. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's just like, how do you think that that looks like if you, if you like start doing something, it's kind of like what you just said, where like you, you, uh, you might be doing this in February, but you could easily just scroll backwards and be like, Oh, not seeing a lot of black people in their feed and, and like not seeing a lot of, um, like, social activism before this so why would you change now they're changing now right because they have to it's not necessarily because they want to it's because like they can't get left behind i don't think anyone would say like well this company didn't post this so they must inherently be racist actually to me it's more of a risk from the company for organizations something that should be easy is actually really hard because at some portion of their constituents are going to be absolutely triggered by something that should be innocuous. There is a like peer-reviewed academic research to support the model for social entrepreneurship. It literally says, like, with leagues of research to show, to back it up, that social entrepreneurship is good for businesses. For me personally, as a business owner, as a community leader, 
I think it's important for me and I want other business owners, community leaders to do the same. It's a good risk to make because inherently I think it's better for society if these companies stand up and make that same voice heard. I mean, their intentions may be good and maybe they wanted to change before and didn't know how to do it because Google doesn't exist and they don't know how to research like intersectionality. I don't know, but like just rolling all of these things out and then not doing the internal work as an organization or as a company mm-hmm. to create a safe space for black folks, for POC in your organization. Mm-hmm. Historically, you haven't been. So it, it's just optics, right? If you're just like throwing all of these like carefully curated slides and pretty like infographics out during Black History Month. However, like everyone on your media team that's doing it is white. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, but are you actually doing the work? Yeah, yeah. It just feels inauthentic. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's going to be so temporary. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to hear, does it, does the, does the, does it bother you the thought that like, there may be changes that happen in the outdoor industry that do create more like representation and like, uh, make things more equitable that are not authentic? Like, does it bother you if, like, if something happens that affects the Black experience positively, but it didn't come from a place of, like, I genuinely want this, but a place of fear of, like, well, I don't want to be left behind? Oh, yeah. It's, like, because it might, it just doesn't feel like it'll have lasting impact, right? And if there's not, like, that attachment of a genuine want mm-hmm. for things to be better, and we're operating out of fear, we're only doing it just to survive day by day, right? We're not doing it to create like a legacy of equity. It's just, you know, like a capitalistic grab to not get crushed because we didn't do the right thing in this moment. But that doesn't mean that that will be the case long term. They get a new manager who's always had that expectation of there. That's all they're going to know. And they're going to be less begrudging about it. If you ask for performative things, you will get performative things. You already see that. You saw what happened over the summer. People are making their posts. They're making their declarations. And then they're like, okay, that's over. Back to business. Back to whatever. Like, if you don't mean it, no, there's no actual change that's going to come about because it's like, why? You're not invested and you don't actually care. If you're going to really go to bat for something, you have to really care about it. Don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. Don't do it because someone told you you should do it. The way I look at it is this. I mean, if you ask somebody to do something, you'll get an action. But if you convince them why it's important, then you'll get a change of heart. I do think it is a positive move, even if it is a little less than ideal to start with. There's no real like skin in the game, right? If you're not willing to make these actual changes, right? And come and, you know, sometimes there's going to be pushback on that and you're going to lose, you know, following. You're going to lose like support and some of your community with choosing to do those types of things. Um, So if there's not like a genuine want to like do that and it's just, um, 
you know, kind of like, well, everybody else is doing it. So I feel like we should do it too. Mm-hmm. But how are we actually going to, you know, sustainably support this? And then to establish something like allyship fatigue, like, okay. <laughs> okay. God, I can't believe people like actually said that and meant it. I thought it was a joke. I, I thought that people were just like, oh, like, like, you know what I mean? I didn't realize that that was like a, are you suffering from allyship fatigue? Like, yes, can we do that one? You've given me an idea. Yeah, I am going to definitely add that. That'll be like the, the intermission skit that I put in that episode. Yes. Are you suffering from allyship fatigue? In the last six months, have you gone out of your way to make a performance of your solidarity? Have you or a loved one recently posted a black square, hung a pride flag, or called a black friend to see how they're doing? Allyship fatigue is real, and it hurts in so many ways. Sadness, anxiety, acceptance of reality as everyone else knows it. We hear you, and we see you, and we know you're not racist. Look at all the work you've done. You've talked to your black friends, you've shared several infographics to your Instagram story, and you've read almost an entire book about white supremacy. Don't think that goes unnoticed. You get it, and you've earned that break you want to take, exactly how you earned the break you've been taking your entire life by being white. Talk to your white friends about allyship fatigue today and make sure you get the privilege that you deserve. Oh, I do have one last question about that. Do you know what the the origin of the black square was? I actually don't. Um, honestly, I don't. If I can recollect correctly, it was to promote black social media by blacking out white voices, by nullifying them. Do you know where the black square came from? Like what the origin of it is? The depth of the internet? No, I have no idea. Because I remember that was like just after um, there was like the, the black and white women photo thing. What are the origins of the black square? Long story short, the black square was created, like the idea of it was created by two black women in the music business and they wanted to make the music industry pause because, you know, the music industry benefits a lot from black creativity, but it was in response to all the police killings that had happened in 2020 and uh, they were trying to make the music industry stop. So that was what the original intent was, but what I think is really interesting is that what ended up, it ended up becoming was a I'm not racist flag. I would still say like the grand majority of these people have zero idea of the origins. Do you know like where the black square came from? So it was an Amplify Melanated Voices campaign, right? Like the whole point was to Blackout Tuesday was like, don't actually just post a black square. It was like post... Instead of your content, 
amplify melanated voices. Like don't post your, you know, Pinterest cupcake recipe or, you know, like TikTok dance, like uplift black people. Yeah. Yeah. And that was post a black square and sign off. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's the, and that's the funny thing about it too. And you know, this is what I found really ironic is that, that I, that trend, you know, the idea of it was started by two black women who are music executives. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that it got taken by white people and turned into an I'm not racist flag is like it's, textbook culture. I mean, has that ever happened before? Like, yeah, has that, ha- I, I has that happened? I have. Yeah, I think. I, think I don't know. Like, I really don't. Ah, God. Uh, white oh, people like yeah. co opting something and Hold then on. like turning it into something that it wasn't supposed to be. I don't know if that's. Is Sounds it, so far-fetched. Has there ever been a situation before <laughs> where a black woman came up with an idea and then white people took it? And made it theirs. Has there ever been a situation before where a black woman came up with an idea and then white people took it and made it theirs? A black woman came up with an idea. A black woman came up with an idea and then white people took it and made it We'll come back to that. If you can think of the answer, I'll. We'll yeah, stop you know, me. maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> me too, as myself, would have to think about that as you know something that <laughs> could have happened. I don't know. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. I I appreciate this. Yeah. Oh man. Just I'm glad that you're I'm glad you're picking up what I'm putting down. Cause it's really ironic, isn't it? Yeah, it's strange. Like I just don't know. God. Uh it's just really funny. That's just like oh my God. <laughs> um yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have like any last things that you want to say, like not just about the black square, but but about performative allyship in general? just stop. Like, just, just stop. Like I would rather, I would rather like authentic silence than like fake screaming. Like just keep it 100. Like if you don't care, then don't care. Like we're, we're used to it. We're, we're used to you not caring. So don't like amplify like your feigned enthusiasm and like love for the black community now because everybody's watching like just shut up sit down like have several seats and don't bother because like your voice is not necessary if it's lacking authenticity and you don't really mean it like if you're just doing it to make yourself feel better or get some kind of like anti-racism token on your like girl scout belt like just sit down i don't want it i don't want it yeah i can speak for everybody but that's me i don't want it The performative things are just really a result of not actually doing the work. What I mean about doing the work for a company, it's actually hiring people to do anti-racism training. It's hiring motivated folks with the right backgrounds and context to tackle anti-racism. If you're having debates over these sort of things, you can't handle the real stuff. The the simple virtue signaling should be easy. I might lose some percentage points, 
of my existing customer base, but I might gain, you know, the equivalent, if not more, from that base, from that group, from that group that may have otherwise caught on more. And, you know, I have questions about that, too. Like, am I... Am I just like then ending up preaching to the choir? Like, am I am I in my own echo chamber now? It's a joke, but it's also serious in some ways. Where like I would rather have a climbing gym put up a burning cross and and, and just be like, okay, like I know not to go there, than to have that same climbing gym with the same viewpoint put up a Black Lives Matter flag. No, just tell me a racist. Like shit. Because until you change those leadership steps, all you will get is a black square. What up, fam? It's your boy, Devin Dabney, here to close this out with some production credits. The American Climbing Project is hosted by me, Devin. I also compose the music, which means everything you just heard and are hearing in the background is nothing but free-range, organic, handmade beats. This show is produced by Rob Moore. You can follow him on Instagram if you like pictures of trees and mountains and flowers honestly it's the whitest shit i've ever seen but if you're into that dope you can totally follow him Uh, you can also follow us acp on instagram and facebook at american climbing project and our twitter handle is at no training beta (laughs) and you can get acp anywhere podcasts are available i want to give a really special shout out to dom davis a black queen I love you, Dom. You are dope. Thank you for talking with me. It was a privilege. And another special shout out to what I'm calling my podcast board of directors. All the climbing podcast OGs who've been there for me every step of the way. I'm talking Chris Hampton of Power Company, Kathy Carlo for The Love of Climbing, Mario Stanley with Sins and Suffers, Luke Mihal, Dirtbag State of Mind. Really, it's y'all's names that should be on this show because without every single one of you, I can think of like dozens of times where I would have just said, fuck it and not did this. So <laughs> with that, the show doesn't stop here. Go check us out at AmericanClimbingProject.com. That's where you'll find our show notes, our blog, academic resources for your education, and all our socials, as well as our Patreon. Speaking of, if you're listening to this, chances are you listened to the whole episode, which means you probably liked it, right? If so, please consider supporting us. We are listener-supported, so we rely on y'all to help us have these conversations, writing these comedy skits, dropping these beats, and honestly just living a more fulfilling life. For any donation above 10 bucks a month, you become a member, which means you get access to a ton of exclusive content. I'm talking raw interviews, bonus skits, some beats by me that are free to use, maybe for your own podcast, maybe you want to spit some bars. That's a lot of shit for $10, man. You can't even get a bag of Friction Labs for $10. Matter of fact, they probably won't even let you in the store for $10 because they shit is expensive. <laughs> Love y'all. But for real, though, we have a whole lot more that we can't wait to share with you. So please, if you can, become a member and support us. This is just the beginning, y'all. Sorry, I'm I'm looking it up on my phone. Okay, so you actually can get a two and a half ounce bag of Friction Labs from their website for $10. So for the price of one two and a half ounce bag of chalk, you basically get the Black Cave of Wonders. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Okay, that's enough shit talking for me. I'm gonna head out, and as a reward to all of y'all who listen to the end, I'm gonna play you a little snippet of the next episode on some Marvel Cinematic Universe shit. 
consider this first episode our Iron Man, baby. Uh, with that, my name is Devin Dabney. You're listening to the American Climbing Project. Post your black squares, get your allyship fatigue on, and we'll see you on the other side of this mixtape. Peace! climbing project like i mean i know climbing's been around for a long time but like the big boom of climbing was what in like the 60s so most people of color were fighting for their right and then the white people were taking around in the mountains of course you're not gonna have a ton of people of color climbing because they were busy a black person just walking into town would have been incredibly dangerous this guy was like deliberately fucking with the people who lived there and lived to tell the tale a rock's not going to care what color my skin is. But like, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what makes up the outdoor industry. Going climbing in some of the best areas in the South can actually be really uncomfortable because there's Confederate flags everywhere. Like, just understanding that there's privilege that like, I don't have to be burdened with being afraid of these things when I go outside and it can feel like an escape for me, but it doesn't feel like that for other people is just really important for white people to recognize. And the heat on your back you're feeling now, thinking, like, oh, well, now more people are going to be applying for this job and there's a chance that they might get it over me. That's something you should have been feeling from the beginning. You never should have been comfortable or thought like, I'll just work hard and go to school and I'll get a job. Like, because for a lot of people, that's not the case. What if you just took two seconds of your life to step into someone else's shoes and listen to someone else's like shitty experience? 